0: Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 465 for Tuesday, the 16th of August, 2016. It's so great to have you here. My name is Robbie, and would you please help me welcome my co host tonight, Jeff Weston? Glad to be here. Jeff, it's great to see you. Nice to see you at home. And uh, tonight we're on a new streaming server, so those watching live are rejoicing because we have fluidity in our movement. How fantastic is that? And it's good timing, too, Jeff, because we've got an exciting show ahead. When have we not had an exciting show? It has never happened. 465 episodes of sheer excitement. This week, we're going to be speaking with Larry O'Connor. Larry joins us from Newer Tech, and uh, they are an exciting company that do some really cool things with USB in particular. I love some of the stuff that they do. Uh, We're going to be looking at their Power2U. It's an electrical outlet receptacle replacement for your 120-volt receptacle, and uh, it adds two two 2.4-amp USB charge ports. Which is awesome. You don't have to go looking for your chargers anymore, folks. You want to stick around? We're going to be talking all about their brand new one. You remember it uh, from years ago, back on season seven? We looked at uh, their their original release. This week, we're going to be talking about their new release. Also, we're going to be looking at restoring our backups from LVM. Right. That's the rdiff dash backup. We're going to be checking out how we can go back in time, how we can restore those files that have been running over the past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, because it's been a few weeks since we've looked at it. It has.
0: It has. Time flies. Here Good we time.
1: are. Awesome. So uh should we find out what's happening in the newsroom?
0: I would love that. Okay, fine. He asks me like I'm gonna say no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope. We're just gonna move on, Jeff. One of these days I'm sure you'll be like, yeah, no. Nope, oh, no. no news today. It'll be nope. like oh.
0: Straight into the intro.
1: Do that on a date when Sasha's here. You're like, sorry, Sasha, no news. No news. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> While she's in the newsroom. Right. What do you got for me, Jeff? All right. Here's what's coming up to the Category 5.tv Newsroom. Tesla accidentally removed Autopilot from their Chinese website, and t- the timing coincided with a crash in Beijing. A mysterious new operating system has popped up from Google, and it's not based on Android or Linux. Sage services in the UK have been compromised, and a lot of customer data has been leaked. Go figure, more leaks. Seagate has announced the highest capacity SSD of all time, and you're not going to believe how big this sucker is. Couldn't believe it myself. I didn't think it was even possible. Anyway, Google has removed Google Plus integration from the Play Store, and Sega has renewed the trademark for Virtua Fighter. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. This
0: is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. My name is Robbie Ferguson.
1: And I'm Jeff Weston.
0: Jeff, tonight we've got a, uh, a friend of the show, Larry O'Connor, joining us. He's the CEO from NewerTech, And we talked about NewerTech on a previous episode way back in the day, episode number 341. We had the power to you on the, uh, on the air. And Larry is joining us today to talk about uh, their upgraded power to you. And we're going to find out all about that and more about uh, what NewerTech does. So, Larry, nice to have you here. Thanks for joining us on Category 5. <coughs> Great
2: to be back, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Larry, you've been up to uh, a lot of good. Uh, Power to you! As I said, we had it on uh, season seven, episode mm-hmm. number three forty-one, going way back. Here we are in episode four sixty-five. We were looking at the original Power to You way back then, and it got a favorable review. We loved the device, and then lo and behold, you've brought out a new version, and we'd love to hear more about uh, the differences between these two devices. So uh, let's let's talk about Power to You. It's a, a you're the guy to talk about it. I mean, I can get into it, but Tell us a little bit about what this device is.
2: Sure. I mean, it's kind of a waste of whatnot when it comes to space. And when it comes to wall outlets, it's nice to have the USB ports right in there with them as opposed to having those little wall warts that uh, often go missing. And I I have children. I've got four kids. And i got to tell you, I mean, before uh, putting parties in, I would have thought they were eating the things. But the PowerDU replaces, you know, a standard wall uh, standard outlet with, uh, you know, gives you the same two outlets you already have, plus two USB ports, which you can use simultaneously, uh, you know, with uh, two standard uh, AC connections. So you can power up the four devices, you know, with a uh, PowerDU, but two are now high-power USB. And the new versions, actually there's been two new versions of PowerDU. You, uh, you know, in both cases, we've increased the, the output so they can charge today's, you know, power-hungry devices we want to make sure we're charging as fast as the adapter that comes from the factory and the power to you is now up to 2.4 amps uh, for its outlets so you get the same charging time it'll take as much power as the devices can take you know, from the current power to you and the, new ver- the newest version uh, was actually kind of shrunk down a little bit so it'll fit in the, uh, the smaller outlet boxes one of the challenges for the first power to you required a 15 cubic inch uh, box which is standard in a lot of homes but if you don't have that standard now it's too big, and the, the, the newest version only takes up a standard 14 cubic inch box, which is a universally standard size, so now we open the door to a lot more folks being able to install it without having to go in there and change their boxes.
0: Very good. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Power 2U, if you haven't caught the original uh, review of the original device, uh, basically what this does is it replaces your receptacle. So yes. without a whole lot of electrical knowledge, you can replace this in your home, and it's uh, a great device. Let's get into the new version here so we can kind of compare. And uh, what it does is it gives you not just the power receptacle, but also the USB port so that you can charge your devices without having to have... Those charger devices, you know, those transformers, all plugged into you know mm-hmm. my outlets at the house. Are, uh, always have those things plugged in. So you've got USB ports built into your power outlet. First thing I notice here uh, is that you've got the wires built right into there. I guess that's part of uh, keeping things smaller, I suppose, eh?
2: Yeah, smaller and simpler. You know, you know, we listen to customer feedback. And, I mean, the different we'll call them pain points, but different areas where we can make it easier on folks and. You know, that was something that uh, that fell in that category.
0: cool. so who can who can install this? I mean, do I need to call an electrician for this or I mean, I know the answer to this, but you know that's that's the question at home. Is it safe for Joe Blow user to put this in? You
2: know, as long as you can flip off a, a fuse box uh, you know disable power to you know a different part of your house, we want to do an installation. This is something you can do at home. It comes with instructions you know, in the box, which in fairness are hard to read and really are there for safety reasons. But we have online videos to show you the step by step, so that you really can do this at home. It's, it's made to be. You, know, you can of course pay somebody to do it, but this is something anybody again anybody can flip a switch or can pull a fuse you know, can do this at home. Very easy installation.
0: Very cool. Uh, so there you have it, folks. I mean, how simple can it be? Um, but I, I love these kinds of clever devices. It's one mm-hmm. of those things uh, to be straight up honest. It's like, why aren't why why haven't I thought of that before? Right. Right. So there are patented technologies here. Uh, Maybe we could talk a little bit about your USB ports. Uh, There's something unique about those. You know, we have um, USB chargers plugged in for our phones. Uh, Sometimes we just leave them hanging out of the power outlet. And one of the things that we don't necessarily realize is there's something that we, uh, you know, people in the industry call vampire power uh, which Thanks. means it's just constantly transforming the power even if you're not using it. So, can you tell us a little bit about the, the patented technologies that are in your Power2U devices?
2: First, of all, the Power2U is the, the smallest device with that much power that's also UL certified in a single uniform device. And for the USB ports, for them, which is you, know, you have the high part, which is your AC, you two AC plugs, standard 120 pulse, and then the two USB, which are you know, typically low power, they're 5 volt and up to like, like 2.4 amps. You know, those actually, you know, there's switches inside, so unless you have something connected in there, they're not drawing power. When you plug a block into the wall, any transformer into the wall, that's immediately drawing power, even without a device plugged into it, that vampire draw you're talking about. The power to use, incorporate technology to prevent them from using power when there's nothing connected. So if you're not charging, you know, it's not drawing power. You know, we've always, you know, focused on you know, conservation, just, you know, just smart technologies when it comes to you know, how we use power. And is that, that a, is that a
0: significant thing? Products. Like, is that going to save money on, uh, on my power bill versus having those uh, transformer boxes plugged out in throughout my house? Or? Well, the transformers, as
2: soon as you plug them in, they're drawn. So while, in fairness, Vampire draws a pretty small amount of power, I mean, today's transformers have gotten more and more and more efficient, but, you know, it's waste not want not, so absolutely, and it all adds up. So technically, yes, you'll see a uh, using the power to you as opposed to a uh, just plugging a wall wart and
1: you you actually do see a savings cool now larry uh what one of the things that i I know a lot of people are enjoying about some of their newer devices particularly when it comes to phones is like their speed charging cables you know you can have your phone charged in 30 minutes or whatever will your device recognize and still give that same power feed or would it is there um is it just a regular charge
2: i think i misunderstood the I didn't hear all your question. Are you asking if it supports wireless charging? No. Does it support the speed charging? Yeah. It'll, get, it'll take as, you know, well, at this point it puts out 2.4 amps, but it will, it will allow the device to take as much power as it's willing to take. Awesome. So the short answer is, you know, the way it that, that ramps, I mean, it's whether your device is ready to take half an amp and half or all the way up to the top. You know, the short answer is yes. It'll, it will go into the, the fast charge mode if the device supports it.
1: Excellent.
0: Now we've got we've got the original Power to You and then the the upgraded version. Um, now these are both being sold online. So you mentioned that the newer model has the the higher amperage, two point four amps. What everything we- is, everything has the higher
2: amperage today. Uh, everything we've shipped for about the last two years, so everything so, got upgraded uh, to the higher amperage.
0: So both products are at two point four amps. Is that right? Correct.
2: The original product was, uh, how to say, was a, was a 2.1 amp. So the, the current product's up to 2.4. The, the one that you originally would have reviewed a couple of years ago, three, four years ago, it would have been just a little bit less.
0: Very cool. Well, that's the power to you from newer tech. Uh We actually have these uh, available through our online store. It's cat5.tv slash power if you'd like to check those out. Uh, definitely, I mean, it's something that, uh, you know, it's one of those easy upgrades for your home. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think having one next to your bed where you plug in your phone every night is, is really smart. There are other devices that actually use. I have
1: four devices plugged in beside my bed. So there you go. I'm looking at this going, oh, this that's would be amazing.
0: You, <laughs> that's for you, Jeff. So NewerTech has been around for a while. Uh, could you tell us? Larry a little bit more about your company and uh, other products that you carry
2: sure Uh, new technology is uh, kind of is part of the other world computing and new consciousness development family and we're all about upgrades in general with technology especially with a in all fairness and honesty with the focus on the Mac we've got you know when you look at the Macintosh a lot of people assume you can't upgrade those machines even back when you Apple said you could and our company manufactures, designs, engineers, We sell direct as well as through channel, a wide variety of upgrades, both memory and solid state for systems from going back 20 plus years to even the latest and the greatest, especially the new machines, which everybody, you they give it to 128 or 256 gig SSD, suddenly, you know, realize that, now that's not enough. You know, we've got drives up to one terabyte for Apple's latest shipping products. And, you know, there's no one else, you know, building solutions for those systems. Uh, beyond upgrades, which, you know, every, anything that makes life a little bit better, it gives people an option to extend the life of technology or better use their technology. And that's really what newer tech and the other world are focused on. You know, and in terms of you know, backing up your technology, and, you know, whether it's doing audio-video production, you name it, you know, our other uh, big core uh, strength is storage technologies. And these are from portable drives that you know, go with you to, you know, uh, quite frankly, a to solutions that you find in data centers other world, computings, the store solutions are highly capable. They have a lot of unique tech, a lot of unique features that are driven from software and different innovations that you now that we've quite frankly have developed over the years from customer feedback. So it, and it, we it, also, it, it, I, I that, guess with all the products and I'll, I'll I picture, I
0: picture your office, you guys sit around and think about, you know, looking at your website, newertech.com. It really strikes me as, you know, how can we do this better? How can we take the power outlet and make it more for today's consumer, yeah, make it work better uh, for, uh, for them? So I mentioned your, your website, newertech.com. Uh, how many products do you have in the line? Like, what, what can we find there? there
2: uh, Tech, I don't have an exact account for New York Tech. New York Tech's got all sorts of fun accessories and, and very productive accessories for making things better from, you know, from the power to you to USB and video adapters, and things that are easy, plug and play and go.
0: And then we also have OWC. We'll give them just a split second. Seems like we've uh, locked up a feed there. is more upgrade. Oh, okay, is. We also,
2: and we've also got on OWCdistro.com our USB-C dock. Which was the answer to uh, you know these Chromebooks and MacBook 12 inches that have a USB-C port and really no other ports. Now this is a single dock that will power the computer, charge it, and provides an array of USB oh, port okay. USB. How, so, how say all the USB ports you need: video out, Ethernet, you know, audio video. I'm sorry, audio in, audio out. I mean, it's you know, it's a single dock that does it all for you and lets you take the current adapter you have with you.
0: That's but, cool. So stuff like that make so, life better. It takes the Mac user, you know, if you're a Mac user, um, definitely that USB-C dock sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think you got all that. I, I, we lost the feed just a little bit on Skype video. Uh, no.
2: but oh, yeah, the USB-C dock is actually uh, not just for the Mac. You know, it was certainly inspired for the the MacBook. Yeah, we're 12, starting to see it more and more in
0: the PC world as well, aren't we?
2: It's it's rock and roll on the Chromebook, on a lot of Dells. Now the power adapter that comes with it uh, is 90 watts. It, it's able to support up. Up to about a 50, 60 watt uh, computer reliably, so it's it's, it's you know in the MacBook uses a lot less than that by the way. There's a couple of deals that need custom power supplies that really don't apply to uh, the USB-C power management in the first place. But to the point that that doc applies to that, that's that's out there for everyone.
0: Cool. So where can we go to find out more about your product line? What's the best way uh, to find out more about what it is that you do? Sure.
2: You can uh, visit and uh, browse uh, newertech.com. As well as OWCDigio.com. And of course, you know, you know, check out sites like yours, you know, our partners that you know, are putting these products out and, and supporting us as well. And we appreciate it.
0: Yeah, cheers. We're speaking with Larry O'Connor, he's the CEO at Newer Technology, and uh, in particular, uh, we're interested in the Power2U to tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can check that out at tv slash power and uh, see about upgrading your home. Now, you mentioned uh, certification, just to really quickly touch on it, because I know, you know, as people, I, I was speaking to a real estate agent who was interested in putting these in in the home for the, the buyer oh, cool. to actually move in with these already pre-installed. And she so sure. was asking about CUL certification. So where can these be installed as far as the certification goes?
2: Certification, the 15 amp, or actually in terms of certification, they're fully UL certified. There's a 15 amp version and a 20 amp version. And they can go you now, as long as you have a 15 amp circuit, 20 amp circuit. I mean, standard code installation. These can go in any home, any commercial uh, facility. The only place they can't go is medical because there's a different. You got to have a certain uh, test, and there's certifications for the uh, for the surface type and cleanability and whatnot. Which we probably pass. It's just not an area that uh, we've, we've chosen to pursue. But the long sure of it is, you know, this is a fully certified product. You know, there's a fire in your house, and they will point
0: at a uh, at one of our products and say, "Well, that wasn't UL certified." So <laughs> it is; it's COL it and US listed. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, now just a quick mention: as we t- you mentioned about healthcare, also the bathroom. It's not for the bathroom because it doesn't. No, put it in the
2: bathroom. Have the- as long as it's on a yeah, you're like, gosh,
0: oh, you're right. Okay, because you can get the 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 trip switch. I, I'm not sure what what they call it. The, uh, but yeah,
2: forget the the interrupt. But you've got two ways to do it. You can put a breaker. You can put a breaker in that will do that at the breaker level, so you don't need to have a local uh, okay. you, know, you know that little test reset.
0: Yeah, yeah, chart. yeah. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah,
2: or in your bathroom, I mean, those will typically. it's one of those that will do an entire room. So you can't replace a switch that has that uh, that uh, ground fault. It's a ground fault protection outlet. Okay, yeah. You don't want, you don't want to replace a ground fault protection outlet, but you can replace other outlets in your bathroom or your kitchen. And it, it, it's fully compatible with both the ground fault uh, outlet that's installed in this in the chain, or with the actual uh, breaker that supports that, you know, right in your breaker box.
0: Smart. Okay. So as long as it's on the same chain in the on the same circuit as that breaker, then, then you're yeah. I mean,
2: you're Dakota. as long as you don't replace yes. a ground fault outlet with this. You're, you're totally
0: good that's the special magical outlet folks that if you drop the hairdryer in the sink and it's full of water that's the one that turns off the power um, so that's the one you don't want to replace but every other one in your house is uh, is safe to do so well Larry it's uh, it's a pleasure having you on the show thanks for talking to us about power to you anything else that we need to know about this device or do we have any questions in the chat room if uh, if anyone wants to get those in really really quickly um, you know it's it's so simple to install I love that uh, and it gives us that additional functionality. Of the USB, uh, what about um, surges? On my uh, let's say a power surge comes into my house. This is the final thought that I have coming to mind. Uh, what if my house gets a surge? Sure. I don't have a, a surge protector going between the power outlet and my device.
2: It's not going to protect your one twenty volt devices. I mean, you should have a surge suppressor just like anytime else for normal electronics. But it is protect. It does protect your devices. Uh, how do I say connected to the USB? Fantastic. Um, yeah, See, good- yeah, so you're you're covered there. And I mean, to me, the best thing about it, you know, going back in time. I mean, you got those little blocks. You know, especially if you have kids. I'm saying, I mean, they just they never stay where they're supposed to stay. Huh. You put this in the out. You put you put this in as I mean, it's an outlet. I mean, your your charging ports are always where you need them. They're always going to be
1: there. Love it. See, this is exciting. I'm about to build a bedroom in, in my basement. There you go. So
0: I'm like, oh. And stock up. Hook us up with bulk discounts there, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, about to, we're about to buy a thousand of these things.
2: Rock your we'll, we'll, we'll hook you up. We'll, yeah, so we're to, set. Here to take care
0: of you. Check it out, folks. It's cat5.tv slash power if you want to just go ahead and pick one up. Or, of course, check out newertech.com for their full product lineup. Larry, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Take care. All right. Likewise.
0: This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. We've got to take a really quick break here, Jeff. And uh, when we're back, we're going to jump into the news. Excellent. Stick around.
1: Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category 5.TV network by shopping at GearBest. That's right,
0: Jeff. Uh, Cat5.TV slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well... Of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, Because cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices.
1: Do they have cell phones?
0: You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets.
1: What about computer... uh Consumer Electronics. Those make a great gift.
0: Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb.
1: Yeah. There's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both
0: men and women. Fashionable apparel at rock bottom. Super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cap 5tv slash gear yeah,
1: All right. You kind of got me there.
0: Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff?
1: Uh, now that the winter has passed flying season do they have any good deals on say drone copters
0: oh my goodness well check this out dude they have everything check out over 500 various drones and not only that they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63 percent off the regular price love it What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Everyday, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, but of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash gearbest.
1: See, that's easy cat5.tv slash gearbest. That's right.
0: Happy shopping.
1: I'm Jeff Weston, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.tv newsroom. Tesla said Monday that the term autopilot was mistakenly removed from the electric car maker's website for China, but it has been restored. The company said that it did revise some language on the site to make it clearer to drivers that autopilot is a driver assist system and not a self driving system. Tesla's been under pressure to stop using the term autopilot in the U.S. following the death of an Ohio Tech company owner in a Florida crash involving the system. Last week, a driver in Beijing relying on, autopilot made, uh, relying on autopilot mode sideswiped a car parked on the side of the road. Tesla says that drivers using autopilot must keep their hands on the wheel and be ready to take over, but that the driver's hands weren't actually detected on the steering wheel during the crash. Revisions to the language on websites have been underway for several weeks in order to address discrepancies across languages. According to Tesla, the timing had absolutely nothing to do with the current events or articles and they have no plans to remove any references to autopilot from any website. You know, I I, want to just be careful how I word this, but people If you're going to get a car (laughs) that does some driving functions on its own, do not trust it 100%. It is tech. It can fail. I don't know why people just can't get that through their owner's manual.
0: Maybe they didn't read it.
1: That is probably the issue. Although... Looks like this guy maybe wasn't watching Harry Potter in, in Beijing. At least that's true. Ah, <laughs> uh, honestly though,
0: autopilot does not mean. Well, I guess it. <laughs> it kind of does. You know, the definition of autopilot means drives
1: itself, but sort of. But it, it's it's not. It's auto, that it's autopilot. I mean, you tell it what to do, and therefore it does it. It's not, you know, fully autonomous thinking mode. It's not defensive driving autopilot functions. It's driving like
0: this from the guy who texts and drives at the same time. We're still trying to work that out of him, folks. (laughs) Touche,
1: Jeff. Touche. I have nothing now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's it. burn burn uh, Google is working on a new operating system and has absolutely nothing to do with Android a page has surfaced on the code sharing website GitHub about the new OS called for now at least Fuchsia It's not based on Android and the California-based technology company's mobile operating system used in billions of smartphones around the world, nor does it build upon the Linux kernel. The GitHub page is pretty sparse on explainers, though. Its description is simply pink plus purple equals fuchsia, a new operating system. That was pretty clear. Google employee Brian Swe- Swetland said in an IRC chat log shared on Hacker News, the decision was made to build it upon source, so they might as well start from there at the beginning. We don't yet know what the new OS is for, but there's already plenty of speculation. We'll let you know the scoop as the details become available. Now, there has been no official announcement from Google, and it sounds as if the open source project is in its early days. I can't help but wonder what it's going to be.
0: Internet of Things, guaranteed. That's, the, yeah. The next Nest thermostat. I ordered my first Nest thermostat this week. Did you know? Yeah. It's not running on fuchsia, though. <laughs> you know, we'll have to see how that operates.
1: I, I don't... Uh, could they not have come up with a better name?
0: I think it's just a placeholder.
1: Excuse Bless me, you. people. It is allergy <laughs> season in Canada.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, Fuchsia, we'll see Fuchsia
1: we'll see I, I, yeah. I guess I guess we'll see the impact that this could have on things like Windows though
0: being that it's open source and on GitHub though that's kind of cool
1: for the record when yeah, I start pop sneezing pop your ears,
0: that's where your it hearing goes for damage comes from that's where the hearing damage comes from popping your ears
1: well at least I close my <laughs> eyes, I've heard that if you sneeze and don't close your eyes your eyeballs You
0: You know, I've been doing this for 465 episodes, and I've never once sneezed on the (laughs) air.
1: It's allergies, man. I know. Can we get some like allergy relief tech-wise?
0: Maybe like put in (laughs) some filters or
1: something. Some new like ultraviolet
0: filters. That's the way.
1: Uh, What's next, Jeff? All right, a data breach at Sage in the UK appears to have revealed personal employee information for nearly 300 businesses to hackers. Oh. Police are investigating the breach, and Sage is probing, probing the unauthorized access of data to someone using an internal company computer login. Now, the information uh, was accessed at some point over the past few weeks. It's unclear whether it was stolen from the ftse listed firm or merely viewed. The company, which provides business software for accounting and payroll services to firms across 23 countries, says it's taking the breach extremely seriously. I should hope so. The police are investigating, and the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO responsible for the Enforcement of the Data Protection Act 1998, has been informed. Sage has notified those businesses whose data may have been accessed, and has advised them to look out for any unusual activity. Seagate has unveiled the world's largest solid solid state drive. Get this, it's a 60 terabyte monster. Pricing isn't yet available, but the company says that the drive will provide the lowest cost per gigabyte for flash memory today. The 60 terabyte solid state drive was unveiled at the Flash Memory Summit in California, the same location that Samsung chose to reveal its 15.36 terabyte solid state drive last year, which that at the time was the world's largest hard drive. That's a big jump from 15 to 60 in one year. The two drives aren't directly comparable, though, as the Samsung unit is a standard 2.5-inch solid-state drive, and the new Seagate drive uses the 3.5-inch hard drive form factor. Despite that, Seagate still claims that the drive has twice the density of Samsung's. Moore's law is still alive and kicking for uh, NAND, apparently. Seagate isn't planning to release the 60-terabyte drive immediately, but may release it early next year. Pricing is pretty much anyone's guess but you probably won't get much change from $40,000 about uh, 60 cents per gig which is actually fairly reasonable. So if you have 30 grand to blow yeah right. That's a massive drive.
0: You know what? Uh, it sounds like a lot of money but then you think you think about a data center. And being able to stick 60 terabytes on a single drive and have that set up in some kind of a cloud infrastructure. And uh, that could save a lot of hydro, a lot of electricity. Oh, yeah. There's my Canadianism coming out right there. That's
1: right. Hydro? What's this to do with water?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Could save a lot of electricity, save a lot of uh, your your cooling bills and and having to cool a a big uh, uh, storage center. Yep, Could make a, a pretty big dent in that.
1: And it's solid state drive solid like state no moving than, parts super exactly. fast exactly that's awesome i want one you and me both i don't even know what i could use to <laughs> what fill would you do up. with 60
0: what would you do with 60 terabytes that's the new question
1: yeah like that's like oh i just won 300 million dollars on the powerball what are you gonna do go to kfc it's like i just got a 60 terabyte drive what are you gonna do i'm gonna install minecraft
0: what was the dri- What was the biggest drive when you were starting out with computers? It, for me, it was. A, I think we had a thirty megabyte RLL hard drive.
1: I think our computer, which had the monochrome screen, came with a twenty-five. 25- you had monochrome.
0: I just had green.
1: Uh, yeah, I had the monochrome. Wow. I think it was a twenty-five meg. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five meg. Yeah, I do think I recall hearing that, like mid, maybe early '90s, Bill Gates made a comment roughly like, you know, nobody's going to ever, ever need more than a gigabyte.
0: Well, his comment was about 640 K of, um, extended memory. Remember the days when we needed extended memory I do. and you had 640 K of it. And that was the max. And we had to, you know, and people were virtualizing their memory and figuring out ways to get a little bit more so we can get 800 (laughs) K and it was really complicated. Man, we've come a long way. Boy, oh boy. 60 terabytes, folks.
1: That's wild. And you know what's sad? By the time my kids are, you know, contributing members of the working force, <laughs> chances are a 60 terabyte is going to be like... Yeah, so I got a laptop for work. It's only got a 60 terabyte. <laughs> That's how fast tech is moving. <laughs> That's I love it. it. I can't wait for the 500 terabyte. What would be up for <laughs> a terabyte? A petabyte. Petabyte? There you go. Wow. Looking for the next petabyte solid state drive. Or there the you first. Go. All right. Nice. Google. Google. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's your there's your T-shirt for the week. Uh, Google. It's going to be one of those nights. Okay. Google's slow eradication of Google Plus is continuing as the company removes the social network's integration with the Play Store. Users can now post reviews without requiring a Google Plus account, and the Plus One button has disappeared. Google confirmed the news in an email to TechCrunch that stated a G+ profile is no longer needed to post a review. The rollout stated on Friday, so it should have reached most users by now. Now, Google began removing the requirement that people have a Google+ account to use the company's products last year. One of the first services to be uncoupled was YouTube, which delinked Google+ from its comments section, so that those without a profile could leave messages. Now when it launched in June of 2011, Google Plus looked like it could be a success after attracting 20 million users in just 3 weeks, but it never came close to matching the numbers of its rival, Facebook. And the network's popularity quickly started to wane. I never used Google Plus. <laughs> like I I had no use for it. Yeah. It, it just So I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> I never used it, so not surprised it failed. I'm
1: the most important person in the world. There so you go. There you go. That's, that's all that matters. That's
0: Jeff's reasoning right there. Yep. <laughs> now that Jeff Weston has said he never used Google+, you know that it's dead. It's true. Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Just, We're just full of T-shirts this week.
1: It's true. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> this next story is awesome. Despite near universal praise and being recognized as the deepest, most technical fighting game series ever created, there hasn't been a new Virtua Fighter in roughly a decade. Possibly because such a great fighting game is expensive to develop, and series don't sell as well as contemporaries, and Sega hasn't exactly been killing it since 2006. I don't even think I'd give it since 2006 more earlier than that, Sega has now renewed the trademark, according to Trademarkia, which doesn't necessarily mean a new game is coming, though, and the series will likely remain dormant. It does show that Sega has some interest in the franchise.
0: You know, Jeff, I I really get the sense a lot of companies are doing this. I was just waiting for that to go off my face. Uh, a lot of companies are doing this. Uh, the game, the retro gaming yes. era, is. You know, we've we've been propelled into building Raspberry Pi with RetroPie and and using game ROMs and and you can buy you know all these devices to play retro games. So now you get these companies that are saying, oh, there's still demand for these things. We'd better keep those trademarks alive.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, you've got Nintendo's coming out with their NES official. Major. Yeah this is what 30 games or something on something it? like
0: that but when they do now all of a sudden those old games from the 80s are no longer abandonware
1: exactly Officially, i mean
0: what is abandonware it's an unofficial kind of thing that says well this was made so long ago that nobody buys it anymore it's not available for sale so what do they do oh by the way now it's available for sale again that's right so now you can no longer use it as abandonware so maybe that's what they're up to we'll hmm. see maybe it's going to come out on maybe the series the old series is going to come back out
1: that would be awesome
0: that would be awesome although i have it on my retro pie yes but you
1: had it before
0: yeah that doesn't matter so you're golden I'd still be all of a sudden copyrighted
1: again yeah that's true yeah see i love playing these retro games with my kids yeah me too like
0: and they awesome. love it yeah the, they because the this, games were great back then
1: at this point my kids think i was cool cuz I have the cool <laughs> games. There you go. It's not going to last much longer cuz once they turn into teenagers they'll I'll realize how cool. lame your games are. It should be really dad frogger. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> right now they're like, "Huh?" I can't get past the first row of cars. I'm like, you keep going, you little fighter. This is
0: like Crossy Road.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Minecraft is like the biggest game of this generation and it's the graphics are what they were when we were kids. It's I like know. it's a regression.
1: My wife just can't wrap her mind around it. Yeah. She's like, we have these really expensive computers with these upgraded yeah, graphics right. and you've got Minecraft.
0: <laughs> We've got the Oculus Rift for virtual reality and And they're building it in minecraft world and uh, admittedly very neat what they're doing with it sure
1: still yeah it's goofy speaking of uh, minecraft my son beat the ender dragon way to go not bad for seven year old wow and here i thought i was awesome when i beat the ender dragon you were awesome i was he's catching up i've been i've been bested by a seven year old Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story that you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston.
0: Jeff, we haven't had any rain for weeks. Weird. It region. feels like it's been months. It feels like everything is dead. My raspberry bush is like drooped right over, and nothing.
1: We, we have these gone. really hardy bushes out front of our house that, I mean, the roots go stupid deep. I can't find the bottom of them, mm. and it's probably a, I don't know, six foot bush. And in the last week, it's just turned into brown. The whole thing is. Hopefully, dying. things
0: will survive. So, I booked a, uh, a drone video shoot, uh, which was scheduled for tomorrow. Ooh. And, uh, you know, we're going to get up in the air. It's been nothing but sunshine and 35, 40 degrees outside. And then it's r- extreme rainfall warning.
1: Yeah. It's like <laughs> floods of epic proportions.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are other areas of the world right now that have got it worse, but it's like, come on. What? I booked a drone shoot. Yeah. And I'm getting up in the air for a company and it's, and I can't do it. Which had to, is too bad. I had to postpone it.
1: But it's, I mean, it's good. So now when you do do the drone shoot, you'll have green grass. That's what I said to them. I said, you know what?
0: At least things are going to be living. It's true. Otherwise, you know, we're filming a beautiful blue sky, but everything's brown. <laughs> and here in Canada, you know, you want it to look green right. and nice.
1: My yard, my yard is starting to look like a desert.
0: Yeah yeah
1: so. well a it did it feels like it yeah.
0: don't walk in bare feet it's like Oh, i
1: made that mistake whoops <gasps> at least
0: we haven't had to mow the grass for six weeks
1: i haven't i haven't turned my <laughs> more on since mid-june i know it's been two months it's crazy the grass is still this high it hasn't
0: moved it's dead yeah i planted new grass in my backyard and it didn't survive well so that the, the seed's dead anyway it just all died yeah yeah it's dead it's wow. dead but anyways the rain is here which we um, the good news, uh, if if we can change topics a little bit. Last week we talked about, you know, would it be a good idea to set up a torrent server so that people could download yes. old episodes of Category Five TV? And the response was re- resoundingly, yeah, let's let's that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. We'd love that. So uh, you can actually do it now. Yes. So here we are a week later. We now have an official Category Five TV network torrent server. So you can download our shows via BitTorrent. Uh, All you have to do is head on over to torrent.category5.tv Please, as you download those uh, those series, uh, seed them for us. We yes. would greatly appreciate that. The more seeds that we have, the faster and easier it is for other community uh, members and viewers to be able to get their hands on old episodes. It's going to be interesting too, because you're going to be able to catch some old, old, old episodes, like 2007, mm-hmm. um, where you know it, maybe you don't realize how far the show has come from my little basement with a webcam to here we are in studio D with a green screen studio over here and audience seating and you know HD cameras drones. all around us drones everywhere yeah. So you can actually get that at torrent.category5.tv. Big thanks uh, to Christopher Kevin Lee for helping us test it, mm-hmm. uh, getting those torrents going. Also, uh, both Rob Shad and Pablo uh, are, are initial seeders. So those nice. folks uh, have downloaded the the first five seasons of Category 5 Technology TV, the first season of New Every Day, and are seeding those for you. So when you go and uh, start downloading them, you're going to probably be getting it uh, from a couple of those uh, friends of the show
1: yeah actually they were talking about it tonight on the uh, the chat room. Hey, look at that. Don is seating.
0: Thank you, Don. Uh, also, um you can if you don't want a torrent, if you don't have the bandwidth, if it's if you're paying for bandwidth, uh, we thought how can we, now that we've got Uh, all of these old episodes all accumulated and in one place, what more can we do? So we're actually offering right on that page at torrent.category5.tv. If you'd like, uh, you can either send us a drive and a donation, and we will uh, put all of those episodes on the drive and send it back to you. Or if you just want to send a donation, the the values are there that show you how much based on, it's calculated by how much file size it is and how many episodes and everything. Um, So it's automatic. And uh, we will send you a hard drive with all those episodes on it so that you don't have to download it. Wow. Then if you want to see it or if you want to just watch it, then you've got it. So
1: so when we get to like season 20, would we be giving them away with say a 60 terabyte solid state drive? <laughs> no, <laughs> you might get a 500 gig drive. <laughs> 20 <laughs> seasons. You don't think.
0: <sighs> no, it's How like 50 gigs a season, maybe a hundred. Oh Yeah. So, but the older seasons are way less, like 10 gigs for season one. Because it, was, three, yeah, that's it was like 320p. That's that was true. before HD was invented, folks. That's crazy. Think about that. YouTube did not exist when we started this show. Whoa. Wow. Yeah.
1: That, wow. Was, was Facebook around? Yeah. They're... Facebook, no. No, I think Facebook just had their 10th anniversary. So, so we're
0: like. Well, then maybe they were babies. Maybe they, I don't, I, don't we, I don't know. Facebook didn't actually exist until I opened my account.
1: The Moral of the story is Cat5 and Facebook were just that awesome. <laughs> well, like,
0: well, And You we said, hey,
1: let's do a show, and Zuckerberg was like, hey.
0: I want to get into LVM, our LVM backup. Oh, so yes. we've got to take a really quick break. Jeff and I are going to talk to you about uh, something that's coming up. So we'll be right back after this. Jeff, what are you doing with your happy goggles?
1: I'm watching Cat5. What do you mean? Hello? Just look at her out. Hey. Oh, yeah. Category 5 is in 360 video
0: now. Well, not really, but uh, season 10 is starting, and we've got a very special two-hour special that is shot in 360 video. So get your happy goggles ready, folks. <laughs> if you've got Google Cardboard or whatever you've got, uh, make sure you get it ready. Uh, or you can swipe on your phone, on your mm-hmm. tablet. Uh, it's pretty cool. You're going to get a 360 view of the studio and be able to say hi uh, to some of your favorite co-hosts of times gone by. Jeff's going to be here. I will be here. Sasha's going to be here. Yay! You're going to be here. So make sure you join us. That is happening on September 27th as we kick off Season 10 of Category 5 Technology TV. Uh, if you don't have Google Cardboard or any kind of virtual reality viewing device, it's okay. As I say, you can use your phone, your tablet, or even uh, use your mouse on YouTube in order to control the camera. You're going to be able to actually control where you look as the show uh, goes forth. You don't want to miss it. It's a two-hour special for Season 10 as we kick it off on September 27th. In the meantime, we're going to be opening up Skype video for our viewers to call in and say hi. You're going to be able to talk to uh, your favorite co-hosts. So make sure you get that pre-tested and plan to call in. Think about the things that you'd like to reminisce about uh, as you've been watching Category 5 TV over the years. So it's happening again September 27th. You want to be here as we kick off. Season 10 in 360 video. Don't miss it. See you there. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our website is www.category5.tv. We still like to leave the www because we're old school. It's true. It's true. You don't need it, but if you don't type it, I will automatically put it on there for you.
1: Uh, You know what? It just feels wrong to do an address without the www. You would be surprised at how many
0: novice computer users don't understand a a website address, especially if it's not .com. So with category5.tv, where do I put that? In Google? So www.category5.tv is not only a tongue twister, but it also helps you to understand what I am talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of talking, I want to talk for the next couple of minutes about LVM backups. Technically, our feature tonight is not about LVM at all. However, it does coincide with our LVM series as we created an LVM backup that creates snapshots and uses RDIF backup to create backups of that snapshot. So it does coincide with our LVM series. However, if you are using RDIF backup separately of LVMs altogether, it's still applicable. Mm -hmm. Tonight, we're going to learn how to restore our files from the backup. And not only that, not only going back to, oops, I accidentally deleted a file today and I want to go back to yesterday's backup. But what about going back to last week's backup? Or three days ago's backup? Or six months ago's backup? You can do that with rdiff-backup. Good times. So, recapping quickly, uh, on episode number 455, we learned to create a logical volume management system, our, uh, our LVM. Uh, on episode 456, so you want to tune into these if you haven't already, we learned to create that snapshot. That snapshot is what we're using to create our backup so that we can back things up on the fly without having to shut down our system or kill any tasks. Okay. Okay. Then on episode number 458, we learned to add another hard drive to our logical volume group. Mm-hmm. That's important. Uh, then episode 461, quite the series. On 461, we learned how to use Rdiff backup in order to create a backup of that snapshot. Uh, you can find out more about Rdiff at cat5.tv RDIFF. Then on episode 462 we fixed all the things that we broke on episode 461, as we made a, as I made a couple of mistakes with my scripting, and uh, then we set up the scripts uh, to run the backup on a cron job every day at three o'clock in the morning. Right. And here we are, several weeks later, but we're here to finish this thing off and restore some files on episode number 465. Excellent. We had a little bit of a break because I had some vacation time there yep. and then we've had uh, several different features that we had to get in on the show to uh, before we could uh, get back to it. But here we are. Okay, so today we are going to learn how to restore our backup. So we've got our, uh, our machine up here Ubuntu Mate. Oh, let's get in there just a little, uh, or out there. Okay, here we go. So you remember I created this file on the desktop. It's simply called test file, and I want to refer to it because that file is important because every now and again, and you'll see I recreated it because at one point I, in fact, accidentally broke the backup, and that's neither here nor there. That was just me making a mistake. But here on August 9th, I restarted this file for you, and you'll see I created this. And so I came in every couple of days here and there. So the next day, I I made another change to this file. The next day, I made another change. Five days later, I made another change, and that's today. And then I ran the backup um, by cron again and also added some apt-get upgrades. And then here we are. I added this after our last backup. So this portion here has actually not been backed up. However, the rest of them have been. So in order to access our backup, if we just wanted to restore just a particular file say i accidentally deleted a file and it hasn't you know it's since the last backup i can go back to yesterday for example that's the first case that we want to look at so we remember going back make sure you go back to episode number 461 to learn how we set this up and then 462 how we kind of corrected a couple of the things that needed to be corrected you remember that back in our file system we created a place to store our backups in slash mnt slash backup. So this is now our backup set. Do not do any writing to the backup set because then you're gonna cause errors with those bit for bit changes that Rdiff keeps track of. So make absolutely certain that you don't do any writing to this. But if I open my snapshot and then home, this is not the actual snapshot, remember this is a backup of the snapshot when it was active. And now there's my test file. So if you hit control L Notice my location is not the actual desktop, but instead is slash MNT slash backup slash MNT slash snapshot slash home slash Robbie slash desktop. And there's the only file that exists on my desktop today. If I open that, you'll notice that that last line is not actually there. So here's my backup copy on the screen right now. I'm gonna move that to the right-hand side and then reopen this copy so that you can compare. Oh, and it puts it in a different tab for me. There we go. Okay, so here on the left is the current file, and on the right is the file from the earlier backup. You'll see that this line has not yet been backed up. So if I wanted to, and this is a very, very simple use case because it's just a text file, but this could be absolutely anything. I could go back to my backup and copy that file or back up this folder whatever i want to do put it on a flash drive and take it off site and then i've got a copy of this file if i copy that and then paste it onto my desktop it's of course going to overwrite the current file so now i'm going to have uh, a file that's older so you see that my original file the one that's on my desktop is 292 bytes however the one that i have from my backup is only 227. okay so i'm going to cancel that so that's a really quick way, you know, you can copy the file directly from your backup. But let's look at, you know, the, the key thing, I think, about RDIF backup is not only the fact that it backs up by bit for bit, as we've discussed uh, on previous episodes when we're looking at this, but also the ability to go back in time in such a way that you can choose dates of the file so that I can say, yeah, okay, well, it was... It was yesterday's backup is not the copy of the file I want. Um, Three weeks ago, however, I had something in that file that I later deleted and forgot to put back or something. You know, there are you can think of any number of cases. But so to be able to go back to a specific point in time very easily is fantastic. And that's what our diff backup can do. So we're going to jump into our terminal. And I am doing things through the terminal because I want you to learn, folks. And I know, you know, I've got some comments about why do you nerds always use the terminal? Part of it is, uh, and I mentioned this on, as a reply on YouTube uh, to the comment that came in. Part of it, Jeff, is I want you to learn how to do these things in the terminal because I'm on Ubuntu Mate. You might be on Ubuntu. Right. You might be on Debian. You might be on uh, Linux Mint. You might be on whatever, OpenSUSE, tumbleweed If I teach you to do this in the terminal, you're going to understand the concepts of it and be able to do this on any system. Right. Okay. If I teach you how to do it with the GUI, you're going to say, oh, I don't have that in Ubuntu. Oh, I don't have that button in, uh, in Tumbleweed. So we're going to learn the concepts, how everything works under the hood so that you can do this across the board everywhere. And then if you want to use GUI tools and things like that, that's, you know, more power to you. That's fine. Uh, we're going to use the terminal today. Okay, I'm going to jump into my temp folder because that's where I'm going to work here um, tonight. But basically, there's a couple of different things that I want to do. So first of all, sudo rdiff backup. We need to actually learn uh, about our backup set. Okay, so we're going to type dash dash list dash increments, and then the folder of our backup. So that is slash uh, mnt slash backup slash mnt i believe again slash snapshot i believe that is our full backup so i've told it to list the increments so now you can see there i actually have incremental snapshots from as far back as august 9th and then i have one on the 10th and the 11th notice the timestamp on those three o'clock in the morning until my current mirror which happened at five o'clock today because i manually i reset the cron job to run at five so that i could get an updated copy so i can actually restore any of the files from those snapshots to that specific date in time and yet it doesn't use that much space on my hard drive on my backup itself so it's not copies of those files even though i can go back to any point in time based on those snapshot dates and we've only been running it since the ninth but if you've been running this for six years you're going to be able to go back to every day uh, during that time so now let's get a little more specific let's run that same thing list increments but let's actually do it on my that actual desktop file Um, so that's that test file So that one, I only have three increments because I didn't make changes to it every single day. Um, So the reason that this, the whole backup has changes every single day is probably because of log files or little updates here and there and little things that have happened um, to the system that got backed up. So if I want to restore any one of those three, so let's say I want to go back to August 9th, and I'm not going to overwrite my original file, the actual file on my desktop. Instead, I'm just saying I want to, I want to recover from the August 9th backup so that I can get back the, the data that was there, but not overwrite my existing backup or my existing file, the actual master file, if you will. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go sudo because I'm on uh, Ubuntu here. So I use super user do in order to become root on Debian. I'm gonna just use su. Sudo rdiff, diff backup. And then we want to actually restore a file. So there's a couple different ways that we're going to do this. Uh, we can restore to, you know, if you if you have a longer backup, this has only been running since the 9th, but I could go 10D for 10 days, capital D, uh, if I want to go back in time 10 days. We're going to be more specific because we actually know that there's an August 9th backup, and that's the one that we want. So I'm going to say uh, 2016-08-09, so August 9th. And we're going to grab. We're going to tell it which file. So that's slash mnt backup mnt snapshot. And I'm hitting tab to autocomplete home, Robbie desktop, and then the test file. And then where do you want to save it to? Slash temp. And we're going to call this. Um, well, I can still call it test file if I want, or I can just. I'll just call it test. So in my command there, Jeff, I've said okay, super user do rdiff backup and restore from the date of 2016, 08, 09, the file from that location, test file, and we're going to save it to slash TMP slash test. So if I hit enter, now I should have a file here called test, and you see that it is dated August 9th. Now, if I edit that file, what do you know? It is the backup from August 9th that is what I typed on August 9th. And that's the only change that was to the file and everything that happened before it is there. But there's that change. So it's as simple as that. If I wanted to, I could go to the 10th because I see that there was also a change on the 10th and there was a backup on the 10th. So I could change that date and overwrite my slash TMP slash test file. Uh, Already exists, specify dash force. So I can do that if I want to overwrite. Now, if I look at that test file, which I've just recovered to the 10th, Look at that. No change. I didn't actually make any changes that day, apparently. But let's grab it from the 16th. Or let's try... Can you do the 11th? And I'll test. Yep. It's different. Yeah, that's when I made some changes to the file. So I actually deleted the original. That's when I messed up the backup. So there you go. So you see how that works. And if I go right to today's backup before uh, before I actually added that final line. Let's see. Yeah, there it is. So it's actually tomorrow's date because of the just the way that the date works on the backup itself. Of course, that's just how how things work, right? It's right. like, what day do you want? So you can play around with that and, and get the right file, get the right version of the file. But you notice how each time I'm able to get a different day's backup. So the 16th is actually the one that ran at 3 o'clock in the morning today. So the seven, by forcing the 17th, I'm saying tomorrow, but it's actually the one that ran a little bit later in the day. I ran two today, one at 3 and one at 5 p.m. Nice. So that's where that was a little bit different. So with your cron running once a day, You're not going to run into that, what I just had happen there. Uh, You're going to only have one backup per day, and it's going to automatically uh, restore from that particular backup. So you might be wise, Jeff. Um, Now, we set it to 3 a.m. I got thinking about it. You know, you might want to run it at, uh, say, 11.45 p.m. or, uh, say, 11 o'clock p.m if you know that you're not going to be on your computer at that time. So that way the, it, you don't run into that confusion because your date stamp on the backup will be the exact same as the date of the file that you're looking for. Right. By running it at 3 a.m., the date of my backup is, in fact, the next day. Right. So I would actually – I have to factor that into my mind as I'm restoring those files.
1: Now, if you set it for, say, 11.45, but it takes 20 minutes to do mm-hmm. – would then some of
0: the files would roll into the next next day's, day's file timestamp? Okay. Well, no, because the backup itself would be stamped for the the previous day at eleven forty five.
1: All right. So then, once it's even if it took say five hours, once the backup's done, then theoretically yeah. it's all part of that. If
0: backup. I can just interject though, Jeff, with our diff backup, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find a backup that's going to take twenty minutes. The first, the first one will. Yeah. But I have networks where we have, uh, we were running like a, a normal backup where it was copying incremental and it took hours. Then we switched to Rdiff backup. The first one took hours, and then every day's backup takes two minutes. Right. Because sometimes it's only it takes the files, fifteen that seconds. That Not the files, but the bits. Right. So it could be a three hundred gig file that somebody went in and made some changes to, and it only takes three seconds to back up because it, it was only the things that they changed that gets changed in the backup set. Right. It's okay. genius.
1: Now, does this only work for things like text files? or no. if you So the no. same deal with like a graphic?
0: It can be binary. It can be anything. Wow. But I'm using a text file so that it, it visually it, we can comprehend right. it and, and it's easy to see that. But I could have created a, a JPEG on my desktop or an XCF file and added things to the image and it would have had the exact same effect. Wow. Doesn't matter what it is. And that's where I use examples like big Excel spreadsheets. Some companies use Excel uh, as, like, that's how they keep track of stock and inventory. Right. Databases are another great example. Binary databases that, you know, normally you'd have trouble trying to back up if you, you know, didn't turn them off. So Artif Backup is a fantastic tool. I hope that that is uh, giving you enough of a glance into the power of the restoration of your backup. Do keep in mind, and I can't stress enough, never uh, do any write operations on the backup folder itself because it can be problematic to try to then fix whatever you just broke because it does keep track of everything on a bit-for-bit basis. So if you want to make changes to a file, you make changes to the master and then rerun the backup or let your cron... Take care of it for you. Rdiff backup, fantastic tool, folks. Cat5.tv slash rdif if you want to find out more about it. But you don't have to download it right off that website. You can actually apt-get install and then rdiff dash backup or whatever your favorite um, application is for installing tools on Linux through your repositories. You'll find it there.
1: For the record, this Rdiff backup has been my favorite feature. Yeah? Yeah. I I know it's not something super glamorous, but the... It's true. We try to make it look glamorous. (laughs) It's true. But the hassle (laughs) that this saves, and so many people don't do regular backups, this is easy. A lot of people, I mean, I know several people that are like, I I just don't have the money to buy another hard drive to back up... You don't need to double your hard drive space. I mean, this is redundancy.
0: Yeah. And it's fantastic. And it saves a lot of space on your backup. This particular customer who I'm thinking of, we had a backup external drive, a RAID array, RAID 1. And it was full to capacity, holding four days worth of backups. Wow. Okay. Full to capacity, holding four days of traditional backups. So this is before RDiff. Then we, we wiped out their Windows server, converted them to Debian, and used Rdiff Backup for their backups. All the same files being backed up now. All of their data files are on a Samba share. The same stuff they had shared on Windows through Windows uh, folder sharing. Yep. And now we did that in November. We have run a daily backup of their entire file system. And remember, we could only do four days before and it was full to capacity. Since November... We've been running it and we are only using 14% of that entire array. Wow. 14%. And we have a daily backup since November and it's now August. It's so, almost a year.
1: Now, if, say, somebody's, you know, slap them on the hand for it, solely running Windows and they don't have any sort of wonderful Linux products on their computer, if they installed a Linux VM and ran this, would it back up their entire Windows machine via the VM?
0: That gets complicated because then you've got to, no, I I wouldn't even bother. What I would do instead, that could be done technically, like you can set up host shares and everything, but what a nightmare. And then you lose some of the capabilities, which is, you know, like the LVM aspect. Well, LVM is part of the beauty. It's not related to RDF Backup. Sure, they're unrelated altogether, but LVM is, you can agree with me, is a beautiful addition to RDF Backup so that you can do snapshots. Yes, So if you were wanting to do backups of a Windows network, do what I did at this um, office, which is to put in a server or in our case we converted the server because it was really just a Windows sharing server mm-hmm. so um, a, a Linux server that uses Samba or CIFS to share to their Windows computers so all of their computers have their traditional mapped network drive their Windows 10 computers they're accessing the share and they don't know the difference it just is a file storage Right. it's on a Linux server and the Linux server has LVM and RDIF backup and an external drive that they take home every day,
1: which is awesome.
0: That's how to do it. If you have any questions for us, if you want to learn more, or if you want some suggestions on how you can maximize your backup solution, make it work for you, and make sure that your files are redundant, make sure you send us an email live at category5.tv. Unfortunately, though, that's all the time that we have for tonight, Jeff. That is unfortunate. It's been nice having you here. Glad to be here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope the feed was fantastic for you tonight. And uh, I am looking forward to September 27th. Mark it on your calendar. Make sure you've got mm-hmm. Skype video installed so that you can call in and say hi to, uh, to everyone that's going to be here. I think it'll be fun to, to talk with uh, some of the old co-hosts and yourself, myself, if you want to say hi. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to, to chat with you. It's going to be kind of like a, a Google Hangout, but not. It's going to be in 360 video, and it's going to be awesome. interactive and fun. It's going to be pretty neat. Very cool. Yeah. I can't wait. Don't miss it. I can't believe we're coming up on season 10. I can't believe it either.
1: That's wild.
0: Nutty, folks. All right. That's it for tonight. Thanks. Have a good one. See ya.